welcome to Great Minds. And our guest today is a longtime friend. Jason, it's, a, it's, a, it's got to be 10 years at least, right? Sounds about right to me. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know either. Uh, Jason Harris. Good, is, good relationships fly by. You know they, what I mean? They do. Time does fly with Jason Harris. So Jason <laughs> is the uh, co-founder of one of the great, great agencies whose roots are in creative, but they've evolved in so many different directions. We're going to talk about that. Mechanism is the agency I'm talking about, of course. And uh, Jason, it is great to uh, have the author, best-selling author of The Soulful Art of Persuasion here on Great Minds. So thanks for doing this. Thanks for having me here. It's good to be here. So Jason, there were so many places to start with you. Uh, usually we, we sort of do it almost chronologically going through someone's you know, journey through their career. But uh, I want to start with something I just saw come back in the news recently that we talked about years ago with you and Rose Byrne, among others, on the Advertising Week stage. And that was a campaign that you did, It's On Us. And I saw it back in the news recently. Um, and I thought that would be a great place to start because I think in so many ways, uh, that campaign really is the best of what you've created at Mechanism. Yeah, it's one, one aspect of what we love to do, which is try to use our power and our advertising skills for social impact and doing something to make the world a little bit better. And I think that campaign, which we started in 2014, so it's been going on seven years now, that was the first campaign that we actually did pro bono work for. And that really you know, started because we had done work for Axe Body Spray, where, you know, with Unilever, where you spray, if you remember those ads have changed, but back then you spray it and the girls flock to you. And so, uh, you know, guys that are in their formative time period wanted any edge they had to attract women. And so someone at the White House, the Office of Public Engagement, saw the ads, found out who did it and said, hey, if these guys can talk to college men about attracting women, why don't they use those skills to talk to college men about combating sexual assault? and not being bystanders. So they called us into the Roosevelt room and Joe Biden, who, um, whatever you think of Joe Biden, sorry, I'll turn that sound off. Whatever you think of Joe Biden, he influences people with a strong power of positivity. And he doesn't say you know, to an ad man, uh, aren't you sick of selling deodorant and sneakers? You know, why don't you do something good? He talks about, imagine if we could use those powers of advertising to change culture and, and try to end sexual assault. And, and he, got, he hooked me with the way he, he pitched it. And I immediately said, yes, I had to go back to our CFO and say we were gonna, I didn't say we were gonna do seven years of free work, which we've ended up doing and millions and millions of resources. But uh, I said, yes, on the spot. And we you know, launched the campaign and it's been going ever since. And, there's 500 college campus, um, uh, it's on us chapters, and you know we're, we're always trying to find new ways uh, to fight it. 
And uh, it's been one of the best, you know, it's been a bright spot in my career and, and for the agency. And peel a couple layers off the creative, because I think it's so clever. And creative is not something typically we talk about much on the podcast. Yeah, so the idea is they had this idea of, of talking to college men. And we came up with a real simple concept of it's on us, which is the line and the campaign and the foundation. And the idea was it's let's not talk to the people that commit sexual assaults. Let's not try to convince them not to do it. Let's talk to everybody else that witnesses it, doesn't intervene, um, people that don't help survivors, uh, everyone in that environment that makes it makes it uh, lighter than it needs to be and doesn't, you know, uh, tell on a, a male counterpart or doesn't support someone that it happened to or doesn't make grab grab a, a potential victim and bring them somewhere else. And so that, that was really the idea is, you know, PSAs sometimes are focused on who's doing the action or and, and and trying to change that behavior ours was focused on everybody else and that was sort of the the strategic insight and pivot and it's on us really is three words that symbolizes that concept well it, it helps you know so many people in so many ways and uh, we're going to get back to the heart part of what you do as ceo of mechanism uh, and the creative alliance in particular but uh, let's go back a little bit. Let's turn the clock back. And now you sit as a guy who's got a reputation where people talk about you, Jason, they talk about you not really as an advertising leader as much, though you were, I know, on the list of 100 people that make our industry great, and I think very well deserved. Um, but people talk about you as a marketer, which I think is much well, higher. I think it's higher praise. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I like it. And it wasn't always that way. Go back to young Jason and remembrances <laughs> of uh, your time hustling new business back in the nineties at TBWA. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy who from a pretty young age always loved uh, advertising. I was a, I was a TV junkie and I always watched those interstitials, you know, when Matt, when we were growing up, like, you know, you TV was like a particular time of day you had shows you liked and you had to watch them. And those, those ads, you know, Lego, my ego, Mikey likes it. Uh, you know, the Kool-Aid man busting through the, you know, the, the prom and he had his Kool-Aid spilling out of his top of his head. I always loved those. And I always thought, you know, that someone does that for a living. That seems pretty cool. Like that seems like a fun gig. And so a lot of people in this business came to this business from a windy path or a path of they ended up here. Um, I came on a direct path because something I always knew I wanted to do. And so to me, you know, getting a gig at Shy a day was like, that's like prime time. You know, I worked at a bunch of 
agencies you haven't heard of prior to that. But when I landed at, at Shia Day, I was, you know, ecstatic and that was sort of a, a dream gig. And, um, you know, the pirate culture influenced me tremendously. And uh, yeah, I really loved my time there. I worked on Levi's and PlayStation and, you know, just really great brands. And talk about that culture a little bit more. I know a lot of people who were there, some like my pal Rob Schwartz, who are still in the TBWA family, but people that were there, they revered that shop and what it taught them in the culture. Talk about that a little. Yeah, I mean, the culture then, I don't know the culture now, but, you know, they, they really had a set of, of values and, and sayings and, um, you know, good, good enough is not enough. And uh, the, the phrases that stuck with the staff and you really felt like you were at somewhere that was really special. And that rebel spirit, that rebel, the pirate flag, you know, I believe deeply in, you know, which came through in my book, I believe deeply in symbolism and, and, and phraseology and, and statements, because I think that they're easy to lock in on and remember. And so, you know, at that time, it was just a, I'm here, I'll do whatever it takes, and let me at them. And um, that, st- that stuck with me. And then when, you know, co-founding mechanism, there was values from that time period that influenced me uh, and stuck with me, and then values... Uh, you know, other values that I wanted to change and add. And, um, you know, before co-founding mechanism, working at different places, you would, you would, you know, I'd keep a journal of what I loved about, uh, you know, the way someone managed a team or led a team, what I didn't like about uh, a way someone, you know, stepped on someone else's head to, to, to move up. And, you know, I would, I would just kind of keep track of what kind of culture we wanted to build and, you know, there was, that was sort of the first place I worked that had a, a definite culture, you know, a real distinct culture. And you also have a real entrepreneurial sort of wrap around you completely. And, and I think of you as, again, that to me, that's a, a high praise, someone who's really hardwired as an entrepreneur. Mechanism wasn't the first agency you founded, certainly the most important, the most lasting, but talk about Plan C. That sounds like it was a really interesting little part of your life. Yeah, you're pulling out the the, the old school. Um, I don't think we ever talked about that. But yeah, Plan Plan C was a business that I started within an agency, Booter Angle, that I was working at. And the, the idea behind it was um, to really... I can't remember how many years ago that was so long, but at the time it was a fresh idea of creating branded content where we would create 44 minute branded TV shows that the brand would pay to produce. And then the network would get free content and then they would charge advertising time against that content. So basically they'd get free, free, a free show uh, and then they'd sell advertising space. So it cost them nothing except airtime. And then the brand would get, instead of 30 seconds of exposure, 44 minutes. And so I did um, programs with Adidas and uh, Levi's and Xbox. And um, it, 
you know, it was scrappy. It was me doing it. And I would literally call Fox Sports, get a contact, call Fox Sports and say, I have this show called, you know, Superstars from Adidas about basketball players. They are going from high school directly into the NBA and Kevin Garnett was going to, you know, help, help narrate it and he would be in it. And then I would call Adidas and say, I've got Fox Sports saying, yes, if we make this, you know, they'll run it. And neither of them had said yes. But then they both said yes, because they thought the other one did. And so I was, I was like clawing any way I could to get this stuff made. Uh, and I'm not recommending for those people out there that that's a, a great way to, to do business. But when you're, when you're hustling an entrepreneur and hungry, you gotta, you gotta try to pull out all the stops and and when that one went, it was easy to show success and then get other brands on board. And then after that, I quickly burned out. I don't know if, if anyone's ever done a business by themselves, but you know, you're invoicing, you're pitching, you're overseeing production, you're working with the clients. And after a period of time, you know, you have a nervous breakdown you have your 19th nervous breakdown. And then you're like, I got to get partners. Like, this is not sustainable. I can't, it, it sounds when you first hear you're entrepreneurial, you first think, Oh, that means I do everything myself. But that's, that is not, uh, that's not long lasting, you know, that that's not sustainable. And so then with mechanism with three other uh, co-founders that, that became something that now, now 15 years in that became, something that's sustainable. I haven't had a nervous breakdown yet. Uh, although during COVID, you know, one might be coming, but uh, yeah. So that really taught me the power of partnership uh, in terms of, of entrepreneurship. Fantastic story. Yeah. No, listen, I've been to all those places when uh, if you're not on your knees collating and stapling, it's not getting done. And uh, I, I get it completely. So Shackner Kinkos. Exactly. Whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, in the early days of Advertising Week, I have very vivid memories. There were 30, 40 nights a year when I would work till two, three, four in the morning. You know, because there wasn't, we didn't really have a lot of staff in the beginning. You know, Lance was there at the beginning, but we were a very small team you know, for years. So believe me, I, I understand it exactly. How, okay, so uh, how, when you started, how small were you? Uh, well, it was myself. I had an assistant. Lance was there at the beginning. And then for a brief period, um, we, we were at the four A's. We sort of shared, you know, some work between some of their big events and advertising week. And then I think by 05, he was completely dedicated to advertising week. Uh, but that was it. That was the whole team. You know, Sunshine Sachs was not with us in the beginning. Um, PR was a struggle in the beginning. We had Chloris and we fired them quickly. And then we had George and Rich Shea, who did a great job, but politically it was tough uh, with our board at that time. And then Sunshine Sachs came along. So they've been with us for a long time also. But the core staff was very, very small. Uh, at yeah. the beginning. So I, I get that. All right. This is about you though. Don't, don't, don't try to turn oh. the tables on me. You're very oh, man. crafty, persuading me to talk about yeah. myself. Very, well, I, you know, I, very I, clever. I, it's gotta be both. Gotta go both ways, man. That's, very, uh, that's, very, that's how very, it goes. Yeah. Very, very clever. All right. So let's hear for the first time now, 
the mechanism origin story? Because I know bits and pieces, but started in, I think, 06. Uh, but let's hear, yeah, this, let, let's hear the story. Well, I, I had hired uh, my friend Tommy Means, who uh, was, was doing some digital you know, production work. And um, I hired him for, I think it was a job for Macy's. And, and this guy just really struck me as really smart and um, super creative. And he was a great salesman. And he really came from the digital production film world. So he would, you know, do, do film and, and digital production content. And uh, he had sort of that creative production background. And then um, another guy, uh, Pete Cabin, came from Macromedia and he was sort of the technology whiz kid. And then Ian Kavalik, um, Pete, Pete and Tommy both are in San Francisco. Ian and I are both in New York. But Ian Kavalik came from crazy uh, design, famous design studios. So he had this kind of design background. And then I came from the advertising agency uh, background. And so we sort of formed this like super friends nucleus um, of different skills and talent. And we uh, tried to take our show on the road and start this thing. And it was really hard going at first. And, you know, one way we sort of did it and obviously no one had um, you know, there weren't kids involved at the time. So we were, we were younger and scrappier and didn't have to make, you know, money and, and, and worry about, um, you know, we just had to survive and, and eat ramen. And we really, the first couple things we did, we, we would pitch clients ideas. This goes back to sort of that plan C idea. We would pit, proactively pitch clients ideas and then, say, if you like them, we're, we're just go, gonna go make it. And the idea at the beginning was to get famous brands and, and clients and brands that people knew on our reel and develop case studies. And that was what they were investing in. And they didn't even have to run the work if they didn't like it or the idea. And it was really a, a, a period of time of, let's just get you know half a dozen brands that we've worked with so we have something to show people and then we'll get real brands because we've got these case studies. And I always encourage when I help mentor entrepreneurs, it, you know, that's, that's the quickest way to get real money is to get no money. And when you're, when you've got no, um, no creds and your business is just starting, it's really hard to get paid well for that type of, of work in our, in our business. And that's really how we started. And we had like a warehouse and two employees. And there was four or five times when if we didn't get an SOW signed, we were, you know, folding up shop. And I remember those times well. And at the time, they're stressful. And now those are the, those are the stories that you almost want to go back to because they were, you know, that pressure of getting that deal, there's nothing like that exhilaration when it comes in. Well, I know, you know, the combination of time and just how the mind works, you romanticize those periods of struggle, you know, looking back now. At that time, it's energizing, but it's also fucking terrifying. Totally. 
yeah, you you would think like, what am, if this doesn't work out, what am I going to do? And we've got a rent and, a, you know, we've got a lease and all, the, you know, these two people that we have are going to get laid off and we can't make payroll. And yeah, you roman- you're right. You romanticize it in the present day. But at the time, I remember being, you know, terrified on like half a dozen occasions that that we weren't weren't gonna make it. And then you make it and you grow and you have a healthy business and then you have other things to worry about. Exactly, exactly. There's big, 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 bigger issues. So talk about, and this is all happening West Coast, right? Yeah, we started it all in San Francisco and then we started to get some work from Pepsi on a couple brands. And um, in 2012, I moved out here. We opened a New York office. And now, now we have San Francisco, New York, Chicago, Seattle. And um, that, you know, it's, it's, it's been growing really steadily and it's been an awesome ride. And there was and some, once some... I, once I moved to New York, I, uh, like, I'll never leave New York now. New York, you know, I never really wanted to live in New York until I did for a client work and, and new business. And now New York's got me. Now you are, uh, you have uh, transitioned, you know, wonderfully. And I, I would think of you if I didn't know better as a, as a lifetime New Yorker. So yeah. talk about San Francisco. There's some great creative shops out there. We talked earlier about uh, Shiat, Goodby is out there. I have enormous regard for Jeff and Goodby Silverstein in their shop. Talk about, how yeah, you Fiero, think Adele, Argonaut, there's a ton of quite a few quite a yeah. few talk about how you think that may that the west coast versus the new york city 212 area code roots may have helped shape mechanism in ways that you can now see reflecting with the benefit of hindsight yeah well i think san francisco um always had that that you know tech pioneering spirit you know it's that's part of san francisco's heritage is it's always at the forefront trying new things very entrepreneur um focused and i can't even tell you how many independent agencies reside in san francisco now but you know we had a long-running joke if you throw a rock down the street you'll hit an independent agency in san francisco and so i think that zeitgeist and that heartbeat is very San Francisco, whereas New York, you're going to have all your big players, a lot of headquarters, much bigger uh, focused shops doing much bigger things, you know, sometimes leading globally out of New York. And that's just a very different uh, work stream. Also, the, the great thing about New York is that just like there's so many you know, large agencies here, there's so many large clients and brands. And so the competition on the West Coast is, is smaller but fierce. And the brands are, you know, hard fought over. And, that, and out in New York, um, there's a lot more, but, you know, less, less independent, uh, but a lot more brands to tap into. So that sort of is why I was like, oh, New York seems like a bigger... Uh, stage and a bigger opportunity. Yeah, well, listen, there's only one Broadway and it's here. I happen to love San Francisco as a place to visit. Um, it's the only place that's as, as expensive as this place is. That's, I know, it's insane. 
Yeah, it's really crazy. Is. So let's talk. We have so much ground to cover. We touched and started off with our conversation uh, about it's on us. And you mentioned Joe Biden. Uh, and I am a, a unabashed fan of President Biden. Talk about the relationship with him, because that's a little special and goes beyond it's on us. Yeah, I mean, we, his team, his nucleus, um, we really, you know, kept working with him when he was out of office and still filmed and created a lot of It's On Us content with him because he was really the, the originator and leader of that. And then uh, as he went back into office, his team asked us to help uh, create, um, you know, his campaign design and logo, which we certainly, of course, did. And we had a small team uh, and mechanism uh, create that. And that was amazing to see out in the world. And, you know, now uh, I tr we, tr we try to get in touch with him and see him whenever we can. But his, you know, his, his, his uh, availability has changed significantly. I'll leave, I'll leave it that way. Uh, he doesn't call you yeah. back immediately. I would think you'd get a quick I mean, call, a quick call back. He's never never called me to begin with, but I did I did get a you know ride with him a bunch of times and go to some events with him. But uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get to see him again when he's not dealing with a pandemic and uh, Afghanistan and a million other things that are coming. Right, a mechanism was not involved in any way in the the Afghanistan strategy. Can we confirm that? that you can't confirm that we were we were not involved at all we were not even consulted uh, all for the best but, so let's talk about something that you co-founded about give or take six some odd years ago that has done some incredible work the creative alliance i'm a huge fan of what you created there yeah so we really created that out of the idea that working on it's on us and uh the impact it had on our employees and morale and you know personally uh being being part of something bigger than advertising and using our powers for good really was incredible and we wanted to try to allow other agencies and production companies and influencer marketers and you know brands where possible uh, to be able to lend their services to also get that feeling of, of you know, helping out. And, and, you know, we've done things like uh, get out the vote campaigns, uh, campaigns for vaccines, uh, anti-racism programs, just really a whole myriad of, of different uh, campaigns. And that's run now by Civic Nation, which is a nonprofit, a really formidable nonprofit based in DC and creative Alliance is now hundred companies. And we're really the marketing engine for the needs that they have uh, creatively. And so we uh, will, you know, pair, there's, there's a team now that runs the creative Alliance and they'll pair up uh, the right partner based on what the needs are. It's a, it's a great legacy that's hardwired into you also. Where did that come from, Jason? That compassion and commitment to give back, did that come from your parents? Was there some life experience 
that, you know, you knew, hey, when I got a chance to, you know, help make a difference in some other people's lives, because not everybody feels that way. And not everybody is in a position as you are to be able to actually make an impact on people. Well, I think anyone's in a position to make an impact, no matter what job they have, you know, what, what career, what skill, everyone has a skill that they could turn into uh, to make an impact and, and think beyond themselves and do something for the world. I mean, we, you know, our friend uh, Josh Combs, who's a, a barber in London, I uh, took him to one of your events uh, in, in London, but, you know, he, he was cutting hair and uh, he thought, well, that's it. That's my legacy. I'm going to be a barber. And then he started on his lunch break, cutting a homeless person's hair and making them feel like more of a human again. And then he started doing that every lunch break. Then he started doing it one day a week. Then he started traveling the world doing it. And he wrote a book about it and he gets paid to speak about it. And he really used his skill. That's a barber. If a barber can do something, it doesn't even have to be a massive uh, thing like that. If you're a finance person, you can help with financial literacy once a month, whatever your skill is, you can apply it in ways that, that give back and help other people. It doesn't have to be on a creative alliance, monumental scale, but that honestly, did it come from my parents? Um, no, I mean, my parents taught me a lot of great values, but it really came from that, that project that I did in 2014 and the impact and how that lit me up and made me feel uh, like a different person is really what what grab what made me you know move towards that and the agency does work for done work for the UN and Red Nose Day and and many others but to me it's it's this boomerang effect of when you give your time and skills to help someone other than yourself the truth is you're really helping yourself because the way it makes you feel is so much more than beyond your, your career or your job or, you know, wherever you are, it does something else to you. And you know that cause you've been, you, you guys certainly do a lot in the space, but it, it you know, you, you, it's really um, giving back is, has this boomerang like effect. And, and when I felt it for the first time, I just wanted to keep doing it as much as possible. You know, I, I couldn't say it any more succinctly than you just did. And, um, I think it's why looking ahead to advertising week, I'm so excited about something we're doing with the Nelson Mandela foundation, who we've become quite close with is it was really his ideal that, you know, the measure of your life is how you enrich the lives of others. You know, one of his many messages and also his message, which we can sure use in this country today about forgiveness and embracing your enemy and making your enemy, your friend. And, you know, if you think about what they got over there, he was in jail for 27 years. And when he got out, you know, he embraced, you know, both the clerk and all the people that had kept him in jail and made them his friends. And basically, you know, that country evolved into a democracy without real bloodshed in, you know, relative terms. Um, How many and, years and, was and, he in jail? He was in jail for 27 years. I'd say creative. That's amazing. Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, so, uh, you know, we got a little repair work to do here in America. Um, let's talk about the book because you came up with an idea um, 
it really is so much more than a book now. Uh, and I'm talking about the soulful art of persuasion, which I guess is probably almost three years old by now, isn't it? Uh, came out in at the end of 2019. Okay, so, so about two right, years. Right before the pandemic. Yeah, about two years, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about where the idea come from. And did you ever imagine then that, you know, two years after its publishing date, it's evolved in so many ways and it's become such a, you know, big part of, you know, the compelling value proposition that mechanism brings to the table relative to its competition. Yeah, well, I think it, you know, it, it is a, a guide of, you know, it's sort of a personal growth guide and also a, a bit of a leadership business guide as well. But it was really based on this idea that um, I, I had seen a, um, I mean, I, I, you know about this because I've talked to you about it, but there was this Gallup survey that really sort of set me off. I was thinking about a book and how I lead in general, but this one kind of pushed me over the edge, which said, you know, the, the least, um, the most dishonest or the least trusted uh, businesses in, uh, in the country were politician, used car salesman, and advertising practitioner. And to me, I thought, well, I don't think that's our business. I love marketing and advertising. I think it's full of great people. And I don't really believe in, in that. And I sort of had these values of original, generous, empathetic, and soulful. And I wanted to juxtapose this idea of persuasion, which is what we do for a living, and sort of has a negative context and say, well, it can also be done in a, in a soulful way. And so it was really based on that, that I wanted to write and illuminate these four principles that I, you know, really believe in. I've got, I, I always create symbols for things and, you know, worked with a designer to create symbols for each of those principles. I've got them tattooed on me so that I always remember them because when I'm at my best, I follow them. And when I'm at my worst, I forget them. And so I'm always trying to follow these principles and habits. And so really it's about how do you, lead and 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 have you have values that you hold dear to yourself and and follow and that was, that was the idea behind it and by doing those and having values you become a more influential and inspirational person and the whole platform you've created and what i think you know among the many things i love about what you built at mechanism clearly creative roots always embrace technology and you've taken this sort of leadership principle and then you've also contemporized and continued to contemporize the agency, you know, around all the areas that are, everybody wants to talk about today. Everybody wants to talk about data, performance, all of those technology driven aspects, but those creative roots are still there. And that persuasive, ability that you have not only to inspire great creative, but great leadership. That's also part of the mechanism story 2021. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we, as an independent company, we've always had to evolve to future-proof the company. And you know what that's like. Every company has to do that. And so we, you know, we started as a 
digital creative company. We became sort of a viral marketing company. We became an agency. Um, and we've always been evolving. And, and really, in the past year and a half, we've built out a performance division so that we stand for creativity and performance. We Soul and Science is our sort of idea behind that. That's our approach. And we're building up the science part where we're met, you know, creativity is always going to be important and everyone needs big ideas. But now more than ever, measurement and um, analyzing and optimiz optimiz optimization of the ideas is critical. So we're, we're balancing those two sides, the, the soul and the science of our work. And, um, you know, it's a journey. It's a journey to get everyone on the company on board with, with going into a performance area. You know, it's a journey to sell that to clients that we have credibility there. And that's sort of the next phase of the company. So you've got a lot of people who are roots are in creative, not engineers. Now yeah. you've got people on the data and performance side whose education is different, their degrees are different, their work experience is different, their thinking approach is different. How do you as the CEO balance out the creative and the engineering led, if you will, the soul and the science? And how do you manage that from a cultural standpoint, they're a little bit at odds. Absolutely, they're definitely at odds. And a, you know, a, a creative director and a data scientist are at the same mind. And the way we managed it is um, giving, you know, it's, it's been probably before we rolled it out at the beginning of this year, it was the entire year of 2020, institutionalizing it, setting up processes that work, um, getting creatives on board, that it's going to improve the work and we're going to win more clients and business. And it was a year journey internally before we did anything like redo our website and our creds deck and pitch clients. And that really was, that was the harder work was getting the company to understand how it's going to help them be more relevant and stay sharp in their careers and, you know, take their creative to the next level. That was, um, that was a year of work internally before we did anything externally. And I recommend, we've certainly not always done that. Sometimes we roll stuff out without taking that time. And more often than not, it doesn't, it doesn't catch on. So we really had to do that internally uh, before we hit go. Great story. So talk about leading the last year and a half or so. You're a guy who likes to be with people, you're a social animal. Uh, and like all of us, you know, our experience the last 18 months has been vastly different from the lives that we were leading before, not really going to airports, you know, and I, I think similarly, I think I never minded, you know, if you had to fly somewhere to be somewhere for 10 hours or for one meal, you would do it. And, uh, you know, some people say, oh, but you don't miss that. I do miss it. I liked it. I think you probably did too, in a lot of ways. Talk did, about yeah. talk about the challenge of the last year and a half and how you've managed it. Sure, um, it's been. Uh, you know, I think we're all. I'm a very social creature. You're right, and I'm a hustler, and I like to meet with clients and you know get out there and network um, almost as much as you do. You're probably 
you know, a couple notches higher than me, but we really had to, we're social creatures and we're also creatures of habit. And so when we first, you know, the staff had to move from working from home, that was, people didn't want to do it. Now that people are doing it for so long and I haven't traveled very much, you kind of get set in that pattern. And so I'm, I'm ready to get yanked out of that and I'm ready to head back to the office and get in back into a creature of habit that is collaborating and working with people. But to me, it's against my nature uh, to sit at home and collaborate remotely. So I've had a real hard time with it. It's been a real struggle. Um, you know, I'm used to more free flow and spontaneous meetings. And so I've, I've really had to adjust, be way more organized and on it. Every meeting, think about every element going into that meeting because there's not going to be a, a desk drive-by afterwards where you can say, actually, you know what, let's do it this way. And so I've had to change how I work. And, um, you know, it works, but I, I'm anxious to get back out there. Yeah, and no. Are you, you know, pitching business this way is just, there's no, it's really hard for them to see the chemistry between the people. Yeah. You know, uh, they, over, yeah, you, you can't, yeah, you can't really look someone in the eye this way, you know, no. the way you can in person. Talk about surprises though this has worked a hell of a lot better than i think either one of us thought it would it's, it has it actually works we had uh, our best year last year um and it it actually does work it works but it doesn't necessarily work for me yeah no i uh, I, I feel the same way i'm surprised and uh we we our team started coming back post labor day uh and it's great to see people in the office it's amazing. Yeah. We've had our offices open, but very few people, you know, come in. And um, I think you have to lead today with a lot of empathy and understanding versus, you know, get your ass in here. Yeah, you no, have to absolutely. Really, yeah. You no. have to really understand that they, um, other people produce better in other environments and, and yep. creating some kind of mixed environment some hybrid is is the best for for everyone yeah no that's that's where we are and i and i think you know the culture has changed and it's incumbent you know on us to adapt to culture not to expect culture to adapt to uh, a world that isn't what it was and i remember early on i had a conversation during the pandemic for something else uh, David Jones and Kate Robertson do this great youth conference, One Young World. It's like a big youth leadership. I've heard about that. Yeah, it's David very, Jones, very, yeah. very impressive. And so they asked me to interview Ariana Huffington for something for them, which I was, of course, happy to do. And I said to Ariana, do you think things will go back to normal? You know, one of the one of the regular idiot questions that we all ask, you know, when do you think things will go back? And she says, well, I hope we don't go back because the old normal wasn't working that well. You know, and that was a very interesting way to look at it, that, you know, things weren't all going as smoothly as we might have hoped in all areas. And there's probably a whole lot we can do better. I like that. Yeah, that's true. I think it yeah. was uh, very obvious in many ways, but I thought very succinctly and presciently said. So are you getting are you getting back out there now? 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I think we're trying to be smart. You know, I've, I've taken the train the last couple of weeks. I wear a mask on the train, of course. Um, Post-Labor Day traffic is all back. So people may not be in their offices as much as they were, but the traffic is certainly all back. And I think we're trying to live life and live it smartly, but we're definitely, you know, out there for sure. We, you know, just went to Lake George, you know, a different vacation. You go someplace you could drive versus fly, you know, in our case. So there were certainly things that you modify, but I'm going to London to be with our team next week for the first time. Uh, we've got a, a great event we're doing at Ronnie Scott's that I'm excited about to sort of kick off, you know, the reintroduction and our plans for 22 for Advertising Week Europe. Uh, we got a great Man, team. Do I, love, great team. Do I love Ronnie Scott and Bar Italia. Yeah, no, that's yeah, right across the street. Are, best. I know. I'll be going to Luca for a I'll be sending you a picture when I'm in Bar Italia as Man, always. I love that place. Yeah, and you I guys, will. You guys uh, really do it up there. You guys have great events. In yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're gearing up. I think the hybrid part is here to stay. Um, and I think that good because it makes your content available to a bigger audience. So that's all positive. And uh, we're excited always about the chance to do something great with you. Mechanism always, you know, brings the goods and brings the A game. And that's because of yeah. you and, and we appreciate it. So, yeah, we're doing a lot this year. It's going to be great. Good. All right, my boy. Okay, I loved, cool, loved, loved having you. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Matt.